0: Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real savior. Uh, As Jesse mentioned at the beginning there, this uh, uh, has I'm sure been a a great week for for many of you. It's been a a hard week for some of us. Uh, uh, Many of you have known uh, Nita Duncan uh, over the last number of years uh, as, as part of our church. Uh, and for those of you who have not heard, uh, Nita passed away yesterday. Uh, and we have many others in uh, our church, uh, connected to our church who are sick or uh, in the hospital. Um, and, uh, and it's hard. And uh, I, I want to uh, fix it. <laughs> I want to solve all the problems. I know many of you do too. Um, And that's just uh, not how this goes. And so we end up uh, kind of running into walls of our own limitations or our own emotions, whatever it may be. And it is not just despite those things, but also because of those things, those limitations and those emotions and the hard stuff that we come together and we sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That we come together and we remind ourselves and remind each other of the hope that we have in Jesus, that he does win, he has conquered, that Satan is vanquished and Jesus is king. That that is the foundation we depend on because we can't actually solve all the problems around us. They actually are too big for any one of us or any one church to be able to tackle and solve and fix. And the truth is that fixing the problems of this world in and of itself is not actually going to solve the problems that what we need is a firm foundation to stand on. What we need is to know that our hope is solid and good because our God is solid and good. And so we remind ourselves of that. We remember in prayer, we go to scripture and we learn and we remember, we come together and we remind each other in song and how we love and serve each other in the hope that we bring with us, that our hope is not in, can we solve all the problems around us? Can we make everybody around us healthy and happy? But our hope is in a good and strong, eternal God. So thank you for being here to remember, to remind each other, whether at home or, or in the room, that our hope is in him. And when we started talking as a staff months ago, beginning of the summer perhaps, uh, about this series we were gonna launch into this fall. What do we wanna talk about? What do we feel like God is laying on our hearts and, and in the, the presence of our church to, to discuss and go over and learn and remember together? I don't know if this is true uh, for the rest of the staff. I'll just say it's true for me that as I peered forward from uh, June into September, I thought we would be in a different place than we are <laughs> as a country, as a society, as a church. I thought we would be kind of hitting a point where it's like, okay, school is started. It's a new school year. Uh, COVID will still be, you know, front of mind, but kind of in the rearview mirror. We're kind of, we're going to be hitting like a reset, restart kind of point. So the question became for me anyway what kind of things do we want to talk about as we reset and restart? And as God would have it and in his providence of knowing what we would actually need to talk about and where we would actually find ourselves, we're gonna talk about some very basic parts of our faith. Not to in any way ignore the big things that are going on around us, but because it is in the midst of those big things, in the midst of all the complicated and overwhelming, the stuff that is too big, that we need to remember what is solid and sure and basic in our faith. To remember the things that we stand on and the things that help propel us through the hard and the murky and the unsure. So we're very mindful of the things going on around us. And it is as we try to figure out how to address and live in a very complicated world that we say, okay, what is it that we build our foundation on for growing and living and following Jesus in this time? One of my favorite leaders to learn from is a guy who uh, passed away I think 11 years now at the age of almost 100. Uh, And he was a basketball coach of all things. And he was a very, very good basketball coach. His name was John Wooden. Uh, And he was the coach of the UCLA men's college basketball team in the 60s and 70s when they won basically every year, I think 10 times out of 12 or something, they won the national championship in an era where that was really hard to do. Uh, They won what is still a record in men's basketball, something like 88 straight games over three seasons or so. And with all of those accolades, John Wooden would tell you that he never considered himself a basketball coach. He was a teacher. Specifically, he was an English teacher. And he went to UCLA to teach English. He loved uh, memorizing and reciting poetry. And even as he was coaching basketball, he felt like his primary objective was to teach young men, was to teach them how to be men, to teach them faith. He, He was about as stereotypically straight-laced Christian guy as you could be in the 60s and 70s, coaching college kids who were way into the Grateful Dead and Buddhism and probably some interesting side activities. And he taught them basketball and he taught them faith and he taught them life. And if you hear from his former players, basketball comes up way late in the conversation about what they remember about Coach Wooden. Now he believed in learning the basics. So he would spend early practices every season teaching his team how to dribble, like how to dribble a basketball. These are college scholarship athletes at the best basketball school in the country at the time. They know how to dribble a basketball. And yet he would take time teaching them how to do it correctly, like all the way back to the basics. But before he got to dribbling, he had something even more basic that he wanted to teach them. So this is a a quote from John Wooden. He says, I think it's the little things that really count. I wish you could hear this in his voice because he had one of those voices that just sounded really wise and smart. So you just have to deal with mine. I think it's the little things that really count. The first thing I would show our players at our first meeting, and again, this was every year. So if you went to UCLA for four years, because they used to go to college for four years back then, you would learn this every year. The first thing I would show our players at our first meeting was how to take a little extra time putting on their shoes and socks properly. The most important part of your equipment is your shoes and socks. You play on a hard floor, so you must have shoes that fit right. And you must not permit your socks to have wrinkles around the little toe where you generally get blisters or around the heels. It took just a few minutes, but I did show my players how I wanted them to do it. Hold up the sock, work it around the little toe area and the heel area so that there are no wrinkles. Smooth it out good. Then hold the sock up while you put the shoe on. And the shoe must spread apart, not just pulled on the top laces. You tighten it up snugly by each eyelet. Then you tie it. And then you double tie it so it won't come undone because I don't want shoes coming untied during practice or during the game. I don't want that to happen. I'm sure that once I started teaching that many years ago, it did cut down on blisters. It definitely helped. But that's just a little detail that coaches must take advantage of because it's the little details that make the big things come about. I am sure that every 18-year-old male who showed up to his first practice was not thrilled that he was teaching them how to put on their socks and shoes. And yet it's really hard to argue with a coach who clearly won that much and clearly made that much of an impact on his team and his players. It's the little details that make the big things come about. I believe that's true in our faith as well. We can get really enamored with big things and we wanna be part of big, exciting things. And that's great. We can get overwhelmed by big problems that need big solutions and we have no idea what to do. It's the little details that make the big things come about. Whatever this next season is for our community, for our church, this next season is going to be played out under the shadow of war and tension and disease and a desperate desire for relief. And so as we enter this season, whatever this will look like, however long it lasts, we're gonna talk about putting on our spiritual socks and shoes making sure that we are paying attention to the little things because it is the little details that make the big things come about. So the things that I'm going to say over the next number of weeks are not going to be mind-blowing. They're not earth-shatteringly new. And it's okay if your first reaction is, yeah, I, I know this already. If that's that's Okay. But maybe as we focus on the little details together, maybe we will learn something new. And maybe we will just be reminded that it's the little details that make the big things come about. So as a staff, we started asking ourselves the question a number of months ago, what does it mean at its most basic level to be a disciple of Jesus? like stripping down all the what abouts and what ifs, what does it mean, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And we know that in Jesus's day, a disciple was somebody who contracted themselves in some way to a teacher, signed up to follow them around, to spend lots of time with them, to spend so much time with them that that they learned who this person is and they learned their teaching. And they learned to think like and be like and act like this person. So when we take being a disciple all the way down to its basics, to its socks and shoes, if you will, here's the three things we, we wanna keep in mind and that we'll talk about over the next number of weeks. Being a disciple, means that we will know God, we will grow in Christ-like character and we will go bless people. Again, nothing mind blowing. We'll know God, we'll grow in Christ-like character and we will go bless people. So for those of you who like to follow along with with notes to help you remember or whatever it may be that's your first notes, we're gonna know God. We're gonna grow in Christ-like character. We're gonna go bless people. Being a disciple means to know God not just know about God. Talk about that a little bit more today. It means to grow in Christ-like character, following the example of Jesus in our lives. And it means to go bless people inside and outside of the church, faith lived out in community, you empowered by the spirit of God, loving people with the love of Jesus. So we start with knowing God. If we're going to give our lives to God, if we're going to follow God with our lives, then we should know the one we follow. In the gospel of John in, in the New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament is these four accounts of Jesus's life from the perspective of these four guys who either followed him around or investigated his ministry after the fact. And in the gospel that John writes, he includes a passage of Jesus's prayer for the church, for you and, and me and all those who come before us and may come after us. And in this prayer for the church, Jesus said this. He said, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is John seventeen three this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. This is a New Living translation of John 17, 3. And they've added a couple extra words in here in an attempt to help us grasp it, but I think maybe it was, I think maybe they're trying too hard. In just about any other translation you look up, it'll say, and this is is eternal life. And this is eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent. This is eternal life, not just like eternal life later. Jesus talks about being born again, which may be an overused phrase in our society over the last 100 years or so. But there is this idea that when we come to Jesus, when we say, yes, I, I wanna give you my life and I want to follow you with my life. Jesus, I give everything to you. There is this process of being born again in some sense. There's this moment of new life that happens to us. And that life is eternal life. Not just like we have life now and we have life later, but as a follower of Jesus is one who's been adopted into God's family, been born again. We have been given eternal life, and this is eternal life. This is the life we're called to live out, to know God, to know Jesus. An early church planner named Paul wrote this to uh, the church in Philippi. Philippians 3:10. He said, "I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Really nice, the first part. That sounds really good. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Yes. And I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Harder. It doesn't sound like it's much fun. But this is our most basic need and should be our most basic desire as a follower of Christ, to know Christ, to know God, to experience all of life's ups and downs with him and to know him better through those things. So let's talk about what knowing God is. And I I wanna start with what knowing God is not. Maybe that's just how my brain works, but if I'm trying to define a thing, it's kind of nice to carve away some of the extra and go, okay, I know it's not this, okay? Kind of give ourselves some room to work in here. Knowing God is not just being with God. And here's what I mean. Because I think if somebody said, well, I'm living my life with God, I'm not gonna go, well, that's bad. No, no, that's very good. So this may just be a, a personal uh, hang up for me. But knowing God is not just being with. And what I mean is, I know that I can be very good at spending time with somebody without ever actually getting to know them. Right, like I could, I could sit on the couch next to Wendy and we, I could be with her and not find out anything about how she's feeling, about her day, about how things went, about what she's worried about or excited for. I could be with and not ever really know. You may have coworkers that you see every day. You may know their name. You may know the color of their car but do you actually know them? A neighbor that you wave at every time you both are out in the street, but, but do you actually know them? Somebody could ask me, hey, did you, did you spend time with God today? I could go, well, uh, I spent some time reading scripture this morning and I, I know God was there. So sure. I spent time with God today. But what God invites us to is something way more than simply being next to him. He invites us to spend time with him, to get to know him, to be invited into relationship. So knowing God is not just being with, oh, that's a very good start, And knowing God is not just knowing about. And this is for me, the place where I'm most worried personally about using the phrase we want to know God because I think it's really easy to settle into a theological comfort level where we say, yeah, I know lots about God. We're not just talking about knowing about God. I can know lots of things about John Wooden. I don't know him. And I, I'm not going to know him. He passed away over a decade ago. Until I have personally met him and spent time with him and heard what his fears are and seen what makes him tick and motivate and see what he's excited about, I don't actually know. Him. I can know lots about him. But that's, that's information, not a relationship. And we can kind of treat God like an idea, An idea is something that we can mentally know a lot about. That that we can be moved intellectually by. That somehow God is something to be learned about and examined and and, and studied like, like a specimen of some sort. God is a divine being who loves you, a human being, and wants to be in relationship with you who knows your heart and your mind and wants to move you emotionally and intellectually and physically and spiritually and relationally. In the Old Testament, a prophet named Jeremiah quoted God this way. Jeremiah chapter nine, he said, "'This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast about their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. And we could do a deep dive into what does it mean that God is a God of justice and righteousness. And we could intellectually study that and and learn more about the concept of biblical justice. And these are good things to do. But our knowledge about God and our knowledge of scripture is only good in so much as it is built on knowing God, on having a relationship with God. I know many people who can quote many verses, who could defend the Christian faith theologically all day long, who don't know God, don't particularly desire to. They really like information, they really like learning, and that's great. It is only useful to our faith in so much as it is built on our knowing of God, of an actual relationship with him. Not just facts about him, but what moves him, what delights him, what breaks his heart. What are his dreams for his children? What is he planning to do? And why does that excite him? Why should it give us hope to actually know him and be in relationship with him? So how do we get to know God relationally? How do we enter into this relationship? Well, this is part of the beauty of Jesus, that we know God through knowing Jesus. God has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Again, this is eternal life, to know you, God, and Jesus, the one whom you sent. Other places, Jesus says, the Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What Jesus says and does reveals God, reveals who God is allows us to get to know him. The journey of getting to know God starts with getting to know Jesus as your savior. As the one who bridged the gap between your mess and the holiness of God. To know Jesus as the one who would give up everything for you. To know Jesus is the example of sacrificial love. To know him as your savior, to know him as your friend, to know him as your example. Getting to know God entering into relationship with him starts with getting to know Jesus, entering into relationship through the forgiveness that he offers us. And similarly, we get to know God through scripture and prayer. Again, as I said earlier, scripture is only so good to us and our faith as it is built upon actually knowing God. But this is, not, this is not just a book. Some people in history, we know a lot about what they did We know about the things they conquered, the things they lost. Occasionally, we maybe even know who they loved or who they were betrayed by. But this gives us insights not only into who, or not only into what God has done, but God intentionally put this together through human observation and experience to show us who he is, to reveal his heart, to reveal what delights him, what motivates him, what he loves, to reveal what breaks his heart, to reveal that he is a God of justice and righteousness, to reveal that there are things about him that we find really easy to attach to and like, and things that are a lot harder. To show us He's he's not just doing things randomly to scare us, to hurt us, or to take care of us, but doing things with intention and purpose because he loves us. And we get to know that through scripture, engaging in relationship with God through scripture and prayer talking and hearing like we would with any other relationship in that sense. Again, to simply be with somebody, physically present. Like one of the things we know about God is that God is ever present. He is here, he is with you. It is one of those mysterious things that goes beyond my ability to wrap my brain around because God is bigger than what I could wrap my brain around. And that's okay. He's with you, but actually engaging in relationship with him is a different thing. And he has in some way, and this metaphor will fall apart very fast. He's in some way given us a diary type look at his thoughts and his emotions that look into what motivates him and allows us to get to know who he really is get to know him as our father as our god as our protector as a judge to get to know him again there are gaps and things that we don't understand there are things that are bigger than we can wrap our brain around i mean I've been married to Wendy for 18 years and there are still many things I don't understand. I have been living with me for a lot of years and and there are things I still don't understand about me and God is far more complex than you and I are. And that's not only okay, that's good. It's good. And yet even with the mystery, even with the impossibility of knowing everything that there is to know about God. He invites us to try. He invites us to enter into relationship with him, to find the joy of loving him and to be loved by him. God wants to hear from you. He does hear you. It's part of that mystery of him being ever present. He hears you and he wants to hear what's going on in your heart and mind. He wants to hear your perspective. He wants to actually engage in relationship. This isn't about him being able to reach into your brain and pull out your thoughts and look at them. He wants to engage in relationship with you where you get to know him and he gets to love you. And he has chosen to reveal himself in our hearts and minds when we come to him in relationship. Throughout history, God has chosen to communicate directly to his people. One of the things we read over and over in scripture is God communicating directly to people. And sometimes that looks big and extravagant. You see burning bushes and pillars of cloud and and a whole lot of We see a donkey talking at some point. Like there's a lot of weird things in here about how God communicates directly to his people and he continues to choose to do that. And some are far more mysterious where clearly God has spoken to somebody and we can see that played out, but we don't ever hear how. In the same passage of John, in that same area of John's gospel, Jesus promises that those of us who follow him, who give our lives to him, will receive the spirit of God in us, the Holy Spirit. That somehow, for some reason, God wants to be so intimately known by us and known to us, that he takes up residence in us and wants to communicate with us. And I I don't know that I've ever heard the audible voice of God. I shared my story last week. There are places in my life where I feel like God has given direction those of us leaders in the church, staff, ministry board, we're we're seeking God for what he would have us do. For the clear call he would give us or the impression he would lay on our hearts and minds. And some people throughout time have badly abused that. And, And if you've been hurt by somebody who said, well, God says, Well, God says he hates you. Well, God says you have to do this thing that makes me feel better. I don't know that it's mine to apologize for, but I'm sorry. People have absolutely abused this idea that they have heard from God. Don't be those people. (laughs) We come to God expecting that he will speak and he will move, he will do, he will say. And then we humbly take it to scripture and we go, does this line up with the God that I'm getting to know? We're gonna talk more in the next few weeks about community. It's important to get to know God in community so that you can go to people who you know know God and say, hey, I feel like God said this. Does this line up with who you know God to be? We come with expectation, but we come with humility. What we hear is held up humbly to scripture and to community. God has revealed himself to us in scripture in Jesus and reveals himself to our hearts and minds as we engage in conversation and relationship with him. And as we get to know God personally and relationally, it should show up in every area of our lives, not just mentally or emotionally, but the results of knowing God more and more should be life-giving and life-consuming. As you get to know him more, you find that you begin to trust and worship him in every aspect of your life that you grow in your trust and worship in every aspect of your life. We might want to do something courageous and and go, I I just can't find the courage. Maybe we'd say, "I, I just wish I trusted God more. I think we're correctly identifying that trust may be a problem. I would invite us, rather than trying to muster up trust, that we would aim to know God more and know him better. And that as we get to know him, we will discover that trust and worship develop. Scripture says, don't worry, trust God. Don't be afraid, trust God. I'm not nearly as good at that as I want to be, yet. I want to know him more. Scripture says, don't get bitter. Don't hold on to anger, worship, worship God, praise him. I'm not as good at that as I wanna be yet. And when I try to muster up trust, muster up the desire to worship from somewhere within my own being, it just becomes more frustrating. God, I wanna know you more. Trust and worship develop in every aspect of our lives. They become a more natural response and become markers of our life. And another marker of that life of knowing God is love. And not the squishy, soft, hallmark kind of love where we love because everything works out in the end and we can all smile and and love just is the obvious plot twist. But love when it's hard. The kind of love that loves despite hurt, that loves despite disagreement, that loves with boundaries and with truth and with grace, that loves beyond what we're what we think we're capable of, that loves despite the difficulty of loving another person. Love that is life-giving and life-consuming. Because as you get to know God more, you will love God with all your heart and soul and strength. you love God with everything you are. Jesus said it is the most important thing we can do. One A and one B is to love God and love people. Most important thing we can do is love God with everything we are. And that all starts with getting to know him and finding that we can love and trust him when things are good and when they're not starts with getting to know him. So open a Bible, see what you might learn about God and the relationship that he's inviting you into, about who he really is. Start a conversation. Hey God, I don't know how to do this. That works. Hey God, I'm not sure you're really there, that works. Hey God, I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. That works too. Start a conversation. Maybe start a conversation with somebody else who you know knows God and say, who do you know? Who's God to you? We simply get to know God and knowing God and his love and his call on our lives, his love for you becomes a building block for everything else. So um, this week, you personally have the opportunity at any day, any moment, to talk to God. And let it sound like you. Doesn't need to sound like me or anybody else. Let it sound like you. He knows who you are anyway. Faking a whole bunch of these and nows isn't gonna make him listen to you better. Be you, be loved. Take the opportunity to know God. Let me uh, start a conversation for us now. Hey God, we are grateful that you're here and we're grateful that you've been with us. And there's a lot about you that we don't understand. And there's a whole lot about the stuff going on around us that we don't get. God, I know that I would love for you to reveal answers And I would love for you to reveal really clear paths and clear directions. God, would you simplify the things that we've made too complicated? And mostly, would you just reveal you? That we would know you and your heart for us. We would know that you invite us to be in relationship with you. God, we're grateful for your love for each one of us for everybody that we run into that we find easy to love and hard to love we're grateful to be one who is loved and God I'm grateful we get to share that love with the people around us would you help us to do that this week and help you to know you help us to know you more as we go in Jesus name amen thank you for checking out our podcast Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.